Welcome to episode 57 of Cox by 90. I'm your host, Show Me Your TDs. I've got the mighty sound of the Southeast in the back right now. As last year, I didn't realize this, was the centennial anniversary of 100 years of the mighty sound of the Southeast. And now they'll be celebrating it this homecoming game. So I found that out, thought I'd give a little pregame introduction with that mighty, mighty sound of the Southeast. Again, welcome to episode 57. You all tuning in live. I know if you're watching on Facebook, I'm going to open it up now so that way I can see the chats. And then if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to chat in right here. I looked it up. I don't know why Twitter doesn't let you chat through that platform. I wish it did. But what I'm doing now, boom. So if you're on Facebook, you'll be able to chat and keep it live and entertaining over the next 30, 45 minutes. Again, you all listening to it in podcast form. I appreciate you. You've been with me since day one. So very, very thankful for that. And we've got a big game this weekend. Vandy, homecoming. I'll be there tomorrow night, excited to go to the fair with my family. When a big stuffed animal, who knows what can happen. But it was a trying week this week, and we all got to look at ourselves in the mirror and start asking a couple questions. What were our expectations coming into last week? What were our expectations for the first half of the year? And then, hey, have we met, exceeded, or not performed up to expectations? So, again... I think that if we all look in the mirror and we two and eight football team last year, four and eight football team the year before, the cupboard wasn't filled with tons and tons of talent. We have to make sure that we keep everything in perspective because the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer and our coaching staff and our fans and our recruits, they need us. They need us to show up on Saturday. They need us to be early. They need us to be loud. But don't get me wrong, that performance in the first quarter at Tennessee was one of the more pathetic outputs I've ever seen from a Gamecock football team. And it, you know, it was a snowball effect of a number of different things. And we'll get back into the Tennessee game. But I want to tell you these stats right now. And I just want you to close your eyes and listen to this as I tell it to you. And then once you hear me finish, tell me if we won or lost. So what if I told you the Gamecocks would control the time of possession 34 minutes to 26 minutes. We'd have six sacks on the day. The ground game would score two touchdowns and go for over 150 yards, and we'd convert almost 50% of our third downs on offense, and Doty did not throw an interception. Have those eyes closed. I'm going to close them with you now. What would you think have happened during that game? Those stats would tell me that we probably probably have a good dang chance to win that football game. And guess what? I'm not trying to put these garnet glasses onto an ugly, ugly, ugly first quarter performance, but you look at anything after the first quarter, second, third, fourth, the halftime adjustments we made, that's why those stats look the way they do. Because it was a snowball effect of the first quarter, that had, again, David Spaulding missing the first touchdown pass by millimeters in his hands. Millimeters in his hands. That was the first bad string. I was just watching 
over and over again, I watch this Tennessee game because sometimes you got to watch the losses closer than the wins. Our second possession, we just – the offensive line broke down, didn't play well. Doty kind of got in scramble mode a little too early. But it was a quick three and out. And that second possession, I think, is what started snowballing is because we gave them the ball back and then they hit that 40-yard bomb. They had some huge plays through the air. So if you're looking at what went wrong during the game, we talked about it last week. Can't give up the big plays. Big plays through the ground in the air. A 45-yard TD run. A 20-yard TD run. Receptions of 39 and 31 yards for touchdowns. Huge. I mean, if you just calculate that up right now, we're talking those are over 130 yards of touchdown plays. Can't give up the big plays. That's why you could see these numbers up here with the what if I told you is really skewed when you're giving up big, big plays like that. We talked about Hooker containing his leg. 66 yards rushing in a touchdown. Can't happen. We, over the course of my Gamecock tenure, have not seemed to hold quarterbacks who have legs into check. That was one of my biggest worries coming into this game. And sure enough, Hooker 66 yards on the ground. No offense to Jalen Foster, but the safety play outside of him was probably some of the worst going back and looking watching this game that I've seen in a long time. And that even includes last year when the safety play was bad. For some reason, we just couldn't find our rhythm in the defensive backfield. We were... Again, I tweeted it out earlier. Zach Pickens gets a huge sack, creates a second and 14. We have the pressure. We got them kind of on their heels. We're playing eight yards and 13 yards off the ball, set up a quick screen for them, and they take it for 12 yards, set up an easy third and two. Safety play wasn't coming down. They weren't playing downhill. And then they also gave up the big plays over top. It was a recipe for disaster in that first quarter. We gave up four sacks. If you all listened to me last week, I told you Tennessee averages two sacks a game from their defensive line. We gave up double that this game. Can't happen. You can't do that. Unfortunately, we did. And when you're taking that many sacks, it's literally killing your offense. Again, four might not seem that a lot, but if you have eight possessions, every other possession, you're giving up a sack, negative yards, six, seven yards. You're just putting yourself in a bad situation. You're literally pizza when you're supposed to be french frying. That's kind of how I look at it. And then we didn't force any turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. The first time that's happened all season. For me, this Gamecocks football team is going to have to beat you playing extraordinary play on defense. And that's including causing turnovers, whether it be fumbles, interceptions, you name it. We got to make it happen. That's everything that went wrong. Now I'll garnet glasses you and give you a couple things that went right. Because, again, you want to study your losses just as close as you study your wins. No doubt about that. We found the end zone twice, twice in the running game, which I thought was extremely important. we got to start building that confidence up. We rushed for over 153 yards. We hadn't had that high of output in the quality and the way we did in a long, long time. Probably since EIU. Kevin Harris looked like the Kevin Harris of old, which was something I was hoping to see in this game. Very, very, very excited to see him this Saturday and what he can do. Jalen Foster continues to make plays. Couple tackles for a loss. Another sack. Again, he is an absolute force on the defensive side of the football. 
Another thing I love to see, Zach Pickens is turning into the five-star. When we signed him, he's absolutely turning into that player. Again, the first possession, he has a huge sack, blew up the whole line, and he just continued to make plays. I want to say he had four tackles, a couple tackles for a loss. I love to see what I'm seeing out of Pickens. And then in total, six sacks on defense. You heard me say it before when you were closing your eyes, six sacks on defense. That's an impressive number. Why couldn't we turn one of those into a strip sack, try and change the momentum? You wish it could have happened. But six sacks on defense, very impressive. So those are things that went right. I don't want to dive too much more into the Tennessee game because it was already painful enough. But our CB90 players of the game, if I'm looking on offense, this guy had the best performance he's had all year. Kai Kroger, one for one, 100% completion, one touchdown, and a 44-yard completion. I loved it. Kai Kroger, offensive player of the game. That was a great dial-up ball play by Pete Limbo, and I love to watch our special teams as they continue to be a highlight this season. On defense, I just mentioned Zach Pickens. He played, again, or is putting together a number of games consecutively and is playing up to that five-star potential. I love to see it, and I'm excited to see what he can do the second half of the year. As we put Tennessee in our rearview mirror and we look ahead to Vanderbilt, we got to talk about the mid-year thoughts. I know last week we talked about five games in. We were getting Sir Big Spurs' opinion, which I wish you were here right here. You're usually always right there. But he's working hard tonight to keep, well, keep our phones going. So I'll tell you this. Mid-year thoughts were three and three. I had us predicted at four and two. I really didn't think the matchup against Tennessee was good on paper. I really didn't. As I'm watching Jalen Hyatt walking into the end zone, that is one of the – that's uh, – that was tough. But I expected us, or at least I thought, that we could get that win against Kentucky. I really did. I thought all the momentum, I just – in my mind preseason, that's where I had the 4-2. and two. I had the Tennessee loss, the Georgia loss. I thought we'd get Kentucky. We didn't. We're 3-3. Three and three. We're one win away from hitting the over for the Vegas total at 3.5. Could happen this weekend against Vanderbilt. For me, the offense has got to find its identity in the second half of the year. There's literally no question. Our offense, when I'm watching this again on these replays, I don't know what we are. The I feel like the rhythm of the play calling, it's, it's like you don't know when you should have Juju McDowell in the game, Marshawn Lloyd in the game, Kevin Harris. Shoot, Zaquandre White had a huge game against EIU. He's been nowhere to be found. So I feel like the rhythm of the play calling is really, really non-existent, to say the least. And I'm hoping that Satterfield, a couple years removed from calling ball plays, can dial it up in the second half, right? I don't, I don't ever wish for coaching turnover. I don't think that that's the best way and best recipe for success at the University of South Carolina. But what I can tell you is that we have to make plays on the offensive side of the football. We have to get creative. We have to put our best playmakers you have to have the ball in their hands. And I think that Satterfield said it best yesterday talking about Jaheim Bell. You got to get a guy like that the football more. He just moves well with the football. You got to get creative. You got to have Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell on the field at the same time. You got to do things different. South Carolina, we're going to win on offense this year being different. Not being the same old kind of lineup. We're going to beat you head to head. That ain't going to happen with this offense. 
O-line's got to play better. Communication's got to get there. I thought they played a lot better against Tennessee. They were opening up some huge 18-wheeler holes, which is what we were used to last year. A lot of that off-tackle running, too, as well. I, I watched it earlier, too. Jaheim Bell lined up at fullback, did a great seal-in block, sprung Kevin Harris for about a 15-yard run. There were some good things that I saw on offense, and this was early on in the game, not when it was out of reach. So I think that we can build on that momentum, but O-line's got to play better in the second half of the year. Defense has got to continue to force turnovers. There is no way, there is no chance that we can beat an Auburn, a Florida, a Clemson if we can't force turnovers. Got to be able to continue to rely on them to at least get a couple steals. And whether that turnover is a change of possession on special teams, uh, onside kick, whatever you got to do, you got to be able to change that momentum that we're always looking for. Six and six is more reasonable than I thought. I had that starred. And you all might say, CB90, Shawmy, you are crazy. You Have you watched this offense? And I don't think it has anything to do with our team. I think it has everything to do with the teams we're playing. I'm not kidding you. The Mizzou, Missouri is awful. You, We could run for 600 yards against Missouri. That's how bad their run defense is. It is downright awful. I had Missouri pegged as a loss. I thought they'd be a lot better than they are this year. That team from the upstate? They can't find the end zone. I'll tell you this. Those two I had chalked up as automatic losses now become more so in the, hey, could go either way. You know, Missouri is on the road. Taters are at home. That's why I'm a little bit more optimistic about 6-6. Six and six. Again, I predicted that at the beginning of the year. A little bit more optimistic now. That Clemson game, the beginning when this season started, the way they were hyping them up, no chance. Now I'd say, heck, I think it's about 50-50 the way they got people dropping. Quarterback play sucks. In Columbia, a little Shane train magic. You never know. Florida, again, running quarterback. I don't see that being – I don't see that turning out well. Auburn beat them last year. Same players. Tank Bigsby could have a big day. I think a Mike Bobo is going to probably try and dial up one of his best games ever. So Auburn, that'll be – That'll be an interesting battle. And then Vandy, you know, we'll talk about that now because that's a huge game tomorrow. Huge homecoming game tomorrow. Huge. We need all y'all. And actually, it's not tomorrow. It's Saturday. I'm just, I'm heading up to Columbia tomorrow, so I'm like that excited. We need everybody to be there Saturday. If you got tickets and you heard Beamer say it, and I don't want to sound like a repeat of him, and you can't go to the game, give them away. Put them, I mean, literally put them on Facebook Marketplace and say free. I did that with my literally my couch and my garage and a couple chairs. You'd be surprised how many people respond back to you. They might not all be Gamecock fans, but heck, try and get them into some people's hands. Let's get that place filled up. Homecoming, 4 o'clock, you got the fair. It's going to be perfect weather. Make it happen. There's only seven, seven home Saturday football games. You got to be there. You got to love it. You got to support Shane. You got to support the team. Has to happen. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's the team when you're three and three and you're trying to find a way to get that fourth win. If there was a team that you wanted on your schedule, it is Vanderbilt. And I am excited about this game. Excited about every game. But Vanderbilt, I don't think there's too much in the tank up in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're going to go through it a little bit right now. So I'll tell you this. 
keep an open mind as I'm talking through it, right? Vanderbilt has upset us before. So, but once I start reading off some of this stuff, you're going to say, wow, this is a recipe for a big, big day. All right, Vandy comes in two and four, wins against Colorado State and UConn. Tickets were selling for a dollar against UConn. Hoo-wee, who couldn't afford that? All right, losses against Eastern Tennessee State University. That is ugly. Stanford, Georgia, and Florida. During their only SEC games, Vanderbilt hasn't scored a point. Has not scored a point. That's that's bad. Two SEC games, again, albeit by top competition, hasn't scored a point. Now looking at this, you got Clarkley, first-year head coach, former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Vandy alum. He's trying to rally the troops. He's telling you those guys, if there was a game on the schedule, if there was a game to win in the SEC, this is the game. So he's going to have them fired up. He's going to say, hey, you know, he gives them the old coaches speak. This is the homecoming game. We're the homecoming game. You can't let them win on their homecoming. You want to disrupt that. You want to just ruin everybody's day. He's going to be giving that speech. That's not going to do any good. If you're looking on their offense, Ken Seals, leading passer, a little over 1,000 yards, 1,086, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. He likes to give the ball to the other team. Rocco Griffin, leading rusher, 227 yards, has a touchdown on the season. Wide receivers were pretty impressive. Will Shepard's their leading receiver, 31 catches, 333 yards, two touchdowns. The offense is averaging 310 yards per game, 196 through the air, and 113 through the ground. And their defense, whoo, they are literally like a hot knife through butter, allowing 452 yards a game, 251 through the air, and 200 through the ground. A recipe for a struggling offense to get back on track. I'll tell you this. Giving up that many yards per game, the way our offense is set up, we should have a huge, huge running day. And I think this will probably be one of those days that Luke Doty has his best passing performance ever. And you just get everybody really excited as you're rolling into A&M and College Station. So the matchups I'm looking to watch, and I'll tell you this, you know, these are things that I think not a, they could make or break the game. But ultimately, I want to see these players step up, get some confidence in their self. Doty versus their DBs. You got Jalen Mahoney. He's a cornerback. Maxwell Worship, Deshaun Jerkins. Those are their top three tacklers, top three defensive backs. They're giving up 250 yards through the air. Again, Doty's biggest day has to happen. I'll be watching how Doty steps up into the pocket and lets the ball rip against their DBs. Vandy wide receivers against our defensive backs. Will Shepard and Chris Pierce. This is a stat that I found a little bit interesting. Each of them have over 30 catches on the season. A Gamecock, our top receiver, doesn't even have 30 catches. And they got two guys with 30 catches. That tells me they're getting their ball out of their hands fast. They're averaging five catches a game and over 50 yards. So that means our our DBs are going to have a little test ahead of them. Last but not least, the last matchup I'm looking for, Carolina's offensive line against Vandy's defensive line. Vandy has only got three sacks on the year, averaging a half a sack a game. Half a sack, which means they're not even getting a full sack. If they get a full sack this game, that means we've given up more than they average during the season. 
I'm expecting our offensive line to have a dominant performance. If not, could be a long, long, long afternoon in Columbia, South Carolina. Players I'm watching, I mentioned them earlier, Ken Seals, over 1,000 yards passing. Can we contain him again? That's more passing than our quarterbacks got. Can't let him get into a rhythm. 55% completion percentage gunslinger. Going to be opportunity to pick off a lot of balls. Will Shepard and Chris Pierce, those are the wide receivers I'm looking for on their offense. Keep out on those names. Their defense leading tackler, Ethan Barr, he's got over, shoot, I think it was close to 50-something tackles on the year. Interception, three pass deflections. He'll probably be a guy that you'll be hearing a lot, making a lot of plays. On offense, perk your ears up because this is where I want you to dial in and pay attention. Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris. Those two running backs, I want them to have a day. I want them to have a century of a day. The Carolina Bands celebrating their centennial at the game tomorrow, although it's 101 years. How about give us 101 yards, Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris. EJ Jenkins, my goodness, this is its like a reoccurring nightmare that doesn't stop. EJ Jenkins saw maybe a handful of plays against the Tennessee game. I don't care if he can only run two routes. you got to figure out a way to get a 6-7 guy that can catch the ball like he can into the ball game. Got to do it. I'm expecting us to hopefully find a way to get him, and I expect Josh Van to have a huge game on Saturday. On defense, Jordan Birch and Jordan Strawn. Multiple sack performance Saturday. Mark this down. Write it up. I'm expecting Birch and Strawn to have multiple sack performance between those two on Saturday. Their O-line's allowing 11 sacks a game, coming out to about over two each game. 11 sacks on the year, two a game. So I'd expect us to at least be able to pile up a lot of them. And I mean a lot of them. What does all this mean? It means I got to give you a prediction on the game. I kind of want to save it till the end, and I think I am going to save it till the end. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you right now. Everything that I've looked at tells me the Gamecocks should win. We're 18-point favorites. Some of you all probably saw that and said, holy heck, I don't think this Gamecock offense is capable of putting up 18 points. I'm here to tell you you're wrong. This Gamecock offense is going to put up a lot of points, and it's going to come in bunches on big plays. Prediction for... The Vandy game, Saturday. Drum roll, please. No rhythm. Carolina 42, Vanderbilt 13. You can look at that and say, we're going to give up 13 points. They haven't given up any, or they haven't scored any against Florida and Georgia. Hey, it's okay. They got to score sometimes. But 42-13 puts us at a 29-point victory. I would hammer the Cox on Saturday. I'd also be looking really, really Really close at that over. 42-13. All right. We haven't talked a little recruiting in a while, and I feel like after yesterday, it might be a good time to get everybody's spirits a little bit lifted. Or we start focusing on what could potentially happen here over the course of the next four months as signing day approaches. We got our December signing day and our February signing day. We missed on Jaden Gibson and Oscar Delp. The we want Delp didn't help, unfortunately. But what I'll tell you I loved is we united our fan base. 
We showed what we can do in numbers, in big numbers, in bunches. So if I'm you all, get excited. Get excited that in the future, when we're going to be winning football games at more of a rate than for a season, we're going to be able to land some of these big-time prospects. And I think it's not too far in the distant future. Another thing that we have to look at. So we've got 17 commitments right now. We could take a total of 23. We're counting two back. Prutney doesn't count from my understanding because he never actually enrolled and was in classes. His classes never started. That means it leaves us with six left on the board. You all, though, and I just started noticing this. I think it was about a month ago, and the news should be coming out soon. One-year waiver for the year 2021 that goes into effect for the 2022 class. Adding up to seven new additional scholarships in this class only to make up for the heavy, heavy transfer portal losses. You can still only have 85 on scholarship, but I think that's a number to take a look at because it's a chance for you to potentially top grade some players. If you're looking at where you're at at the mid-year point, and let's say in December, and you have an opportunity, if it does pass, which again, Everything I read should be happening mid-October. It's mid-October. This one-year waiver takes your class when you could only sign 25 people a year, one time only up to 32. That's telling me that some of these past coaches, you got a Torian Gray who's coached at Florida, coached at Virginia Tech, could be persuading some people that are looking in the transfer portal. Ooh, I want to go play for that coach there. Shane Beamer, former coach at Oklahoma, former coach at Georgia, Maybe there's some players he recruited there. Who knows? But I'm telling you this. It opens up the possibility for a lot of opportunities. So people that haven't seen us have commitments lately, it's okay. There's a lot of things to look at over the next couple months. And I think that in the next week or two, opening up those scholarships is going to create a really big opportunity for Beamer and company and the coaches to get better quicker. And the transfer portal does that. If you attack the right people and get the right people in your program, you could turn a team that might be 6-6 six and six to 9-3 and three the next year. The right quarterback, shoot, we got our stable of running backs, get a couple good offensive linemen, tight end position set. Defense, you got players on the defensive line. I'd probably be targeting a linebacker. We'll talk a little bit more about that. That transfer portal could really turn you into a contender quick. Just saying. On offense, so again, let's just look ahead like we only have six spots, but we're probably going to end up having enough to counteract the transfers that we'll lose, so could be up to 10. We need a transfer quarterback with senior experience. That is going to be one of these slots absolutely that we'll take up. There's no doubt in my mind that we have to get somebody that can compete against Doty, compete against Braden Davis, and compete against Colton Gauthier. Is that guy Spencer Rattler? I'm just kidding. No way. I don't, again, people were putting that out on Twitter. I don't see any way that that does happen. But if it did, oh my goodness. But I'm telling you this, one of our spots in these last six has to go towards a senior quarterback. Somebody that has FBS experience throwing the football. You got to give, you got to have competition pushing Doty. You got to have competition pushing these guys. And if you're looking at where we'll be at at the end of the season, we'll have one quarterback in Luke Doty that has a year of experience 
and playing FBS games going into next year. You got to add some seniority to that room. Shoot, a guy like Braden Davis coming in, very raw with talent. I'd love to get a quarterback that he can mentor under God, or mentor from. I mean, the possibilities there if we were able to get a big-time quarterback are endless. Playmaker at wide receiver, Antonio Williams. That's our guy. Dutch Fork, he's having a monster season. Shoot, I saw he had two special teams touchdowns last week. He's a guy, wide receiver. We got to get a big-time playmaker on this offense. I'm circling Antonio Williams, but watch out for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin and company, they've got something to sell them. They're putting up numbers in the dozens. It's a wide receiver heaven right now in Ole Miss. That is going to be a tough one to watch, but I hope we can keep Antonio Williams home. I think running back position, so if you're listening, one quarterback, one wide receiver, that's where I have two going. Running back only if it's the right guy. Only if he is a big-time playmaker am I adding a running back to this room next year. And then I'd look at one transfer offensive lineman. We've got three in the fold right now. I'd look to get one more big-time transfer on the offensive line. That would leave us three positions taken up on the offensive side of the ball. If we're looking at defense, right now along the defensive line, Demetrius Watson out of Fort Dorchester, everybody seems to think we can pencil in him as a Gamecock. I haven't heard anything different, but I'll say, hey, he's a guy that I would say would take up potentially one of those spots along the defensive line. I think we're going to have one more guy there. You know, a name that I keep hearing, James Pierce out of Charlotte. He was supposed to show up to the game for two weekends in a row. That didn't happen. (sighs) Looks like big-time potential. He's getting a lot of offers. That's somebody to keep an eye out for. At the linebacker position, so I'll say we'll take one defensive lineman. Linebacker, Jay Sean Barham out of Baltimore, Maryland, is our guy that we've got to land. We need a big-time linebacker coming in here. Damani Staley's played extremely well, but he's on his 12th year, and he's not going to be able to come back next year. So to pair up somebody with Kaba, you got to get a guy. A Barham comes in, could be a playmaker year one. One linebacker. And then I think for DB, We've got a lot of DBs, but if you're looking at Prunty or Prunty or however you pronounce his last name, the All-American cornerback from Kansas, obviously losing him early on, very, very unfortunate, but I think that you're probably going to want to get a senior DB transfer or at least a big-time transfer in the DB market to be able to come in here with all that youth and compete because, again, we got a bunch of – we got a ton of DPs signed in this class right now, but you need some immediate impact players. I would love to see us continue to tap in to the transfer portal and maybe see what we can do for our defensive back. So one D lineman, one linebacker, one DB. That would be the six. Three on offense, three on defense. And hopefully, again, I, I would say that we – We were active with the transfer portal last year. I'd say we're going to be active again, especially if they pass that one-year seven additional spots. Who knows what can happen? So that's your recruiting scoop for this show. And if you want more great recruiting scoop, Gamecock Central. Mike Yuva just joined over there. He's one of my good buddies. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, they do a hell of a job. I'd go to Gamecock Central for all your recruiting needs. All right. Beat the spur time. Last week, 6-3-1. Me, Chase Rabon. If I butchered your last name, I'm sorry. Tied. 6-3-1. He beat me by two points in the tiebreaker. Congrats. He got a pack of CB90 koozies. 
Shoot, we got a couple of them right here. Look at that. Get y'all go on the website and order you some. Congrats on that. The new Beat the Spurs out there. Make sure you shoot me a DM or an email with your picks. First game starts tomorrow night at 7 p.m. All right, I've got my picks and the Big Spur. <laughs> Sir Big Spurs picks. So I'm going to run through them right here. Clemson, Syracuse. The Taters versus the Orange. When the Taters go up to the Orange and play on Friday night, doesn't usually work out well. I've got Syracuse plus 14. Sir Big Spurs got Syracuse plus 14. Oklahoma State versus Texas. Texas is favored by five and a half. The over-under is 60. We both love the over of 60 points. Arkansas-Auburn. Arkansas is favored by three and a half. I've got the Hogs winning that game by more than three and a half. Sir Big Spurs got Auburn. LSU-Florida. We've got some dang good matchups this week. Florida minus ten and a half. I got LSU. They got a lot of athletes. Last year they upset them. I think they've got enough athletes to keep it within points. I've got LSU. Sir Big Spurs got Florida. A&M, Missouri. Looking at this, A&M's minus nine. I've got the over at 60 and a half. Sir Big Spur, Texas A&M minus nine. He thinks that Missouri doesn't stand a chance. They are a really, really bad football program this year. I don't know what happened. All right, Kentucky, Georgia, the college game day of the week for ESPN. Game day is going to be there. Georgia minus 24. My goodness. They're that good, folks. I've got Kentucky. I think Kentucky loses by three touchdowns. I think it's a 21-point game. It's going to be another snoozer for game day going to Georgia. But, hey, I mean, it's the best game of the week. Crazy stat. First time two SEC teams over 6-0 playing against each other, or SEC East teams over 6-0 playing against each other. Crazy stat. Serbic Spurs got the over 44.5. I think Georgia might can score 45 points themselves. Pitt, Virginia Tech, we've got a pillow fight in the ACC. Pitt minus five. I've got a good buddy of mine who works for, same company I do, diehard Virginia Tech fan. I had to go with Virginia Tech there. Plus five, Serbic Spur going with the over of 58. Cox, Vanderbilt. I'm taking over 51. If you heard me earlier, I've got the total around 53. I think that over 51 is a good bet. Sir Big Spurs got the under. He doesn't see us laying as many points down as I do. Mississippi State, Alabama. Huge loss last week. I can't believe they lost. That was insane. Congrats to Texas A&M. Alabama minus 17. I've got, I've been riding Mississippi State all year. And I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon now. I got Mississippi State plus 17. I see it as a two-touchdown game. Sir Big Spurs got Bama. Ole Miss, Tennessee. Now, this will be a game, 730, that I'll be tuned into. Lane Kiffin, former coach at Tennessee, has Ole Miss rolling right now on offense. Ole Miss minus three. Going to Tennessee, we both like Ole Miss. And I think that Ole Miss is the better team. I think Tennessee's a really good football team right now. But I think Ole Miss is just that much better. Total score predictions. I've got 72 on the total score for Tennessee Ole Miss. Sir, Big Spurs got 78. Those are your beat the spur picks for this week. I'll put them out on Twitter tomorrow so you can all see. All right. We're going on 36 minutes now. I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. I don't know how I've talked this long. So, game day in Columbia this Saturday. I I said it early on. I want to say it again. 
homecoming. You got to be there. If you're within an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, four hours, if you just love the Gamecocks, come. Come to the game. You won't be disappointed. Four o'clock's the best absolute time you can potentially start that homecoming game. I will be at the fair tomorrow night. So if anybody's out and about at the fair, come say, hey, would love, hey, shoot, play a game. You never know. Also, come say, hey, tailgating, Gamecock Park, South Premium, come on by. Give you a couple CB90 koozies. We'll say, hey, crack a cold one. Cheers to the cocks and have a good old time. So, again, South Premium, Gamecock Park, come see me. I'll have a tailgate set up. We'll have the flags flying. Gotta always give it the shout out on social media. YouTube, if you're trying to watch, YouTube's one of the best ways. Follow us on YouTube, Cox by 90. Twitter, at Cox underscore by underscore 90. Same with Instagram. I plan to do a big giveaway here next week and in the coming weeks. So might be giving away some tickets. You might want to go ahead and subscribe and follow us. So last but not least, the Loyal shirts have been a huge hit. If you haven't gotten yours, check out the website. There's nothing better than wearing Loyal right across your chest. Go get you one. www.caxby90.com I am, to some people, a t-shirt salesman. I've heard that a couple weeks ago. I'm a big t-shirt salesman, and I work at Piggly Wiggly. So help this poor Piggly Wiggly bag boy out, and go get you a Cox by 90 t-shirt. As always, it's a dang good time. You all listening to this in podcast form, I'll be putting it on the air tonight. You all watching live right now, thank you. You all watching maybe the video tomorrow, tonight, this weekend on your way up. I appreciate you. And again, we're here to have fun. We're here to talk about the Gamecocks. I do this because I love the Gamecocks. And I love hanging out with you all. I love chatting with you all. And I love meeting new Gamecocks and bringing Gamecocks closer together. So one last thing, Main Street tomorrow basketball team will have in their kickoff event. Go check it out. If you're in town, I think it starts at 630. Go support the basketball program. I re-upped my season tickets yesterday. Got six of those bad boys. I look forward to treating you all, the, the games I can't make, to give them away here and supporting Frank Martin, our new transfers, Kuznard, Bryant. Who knows what kind of year we can have. We'll dive into a little bit more basketball here soon. We're under a month away until we tip off our first game. So I appreciate you all tuning in. As always, you are the best, most loyal supporters. I thank you very much. And let's shake this place!